Hey friends, welcome back to Unfeigned Christianity. Asher Whitmer here, your host. This is the podcast where we seek to help Christians find culturally aware, biblically nuanced, and Jesus embodying responses to current day issues. Now, in full transparency, this is the podcast where where I sort through culturally aware, biblically nuanced, and Jesus embodying responses to current day issues. If it so happens to help Christians who are listening in, if it happens to help other people, then that is that is a, an amazing, uh, it's the grace of God. Because really, if, if you think of, I, as an author, I view myself when it comes to the podcast, there's ideas I've been mulling around, maybe journaling about, maybe talking with people, and I'm wanting to begin fleshing out and find articulation for the things that I'm processing. That's the podcast. If I want to hone it in a little clearer, maybe dive into something specific and kind of sort through things, kind of get feedback and see how this lands on people in a written form, then I write an article about it, perhaps. And and even this audio version, I'll probably take it and tweak it and create a written version of sorts. Um, But this is very... and, And then behind the scenes, I've got a number of longer form writing projects that I, at the very least, nibble away at, if not uh, hope to publish eventually one day. And so this is very much kind of the raw wrestling through and and sorting through what does it look like to embody Jesus faithfully in our current cultural moment. And so welcome. Thank you for joining me. If if you're new to the podcast, uh, you may want to go back and listen to last week's episode because it was kind of an update after being on a hiatus for for a couple of months. And I'm coming back in now in full transparency. I do plan to do more interviews and so forth, but I'm also wanting to begin diving into some things that, that I... I'm just kind of processing. We'd like to talk with you. We'd like to invite you as a listener to participate in this conversation, give me feedback. There's, there's been a number of things, and I'll, over time, I'll share more and more what some of these things are, but there's been a number of things that I've been processing and sorting through. Um, some of you who followed the podcast, the blog, uh, have have caught on that in the last two years we relocated from Los Angeles, California to Canyon City, Colorado. And just some of the, the things of processing life and ministry and everything, there, there are reasons that go into such a relocation. There are reasons that go into some of the life changes that, that we've made that everybody obviously makes. But it's interesting to be someone who kind of writes or talks about these things publicly while also processing through my own um, journey and our own story. And I, I'll, I'll be honest with you, like there's been versions of and seasons of deconstruction in all of this. And I, I'm, I hesitate to use that term because it's such a triggering term. And I'm not at all meaning a deconversion or a, a doubting God, like is God even real, but more just you have expectations of life, you have expectations of ministry, you have expectations of relationships and whatever. And as you go through the journey of life, you discover it doesn't actually function like you expected it would, or it 
things don't go quite how you thought they should, how you understand scripture to say it should go or whatever. And, and it just leads us into this season of reflecting on and being like, okay, well, what's up with that? Like, is my expectation off? Is there, is there some, something else playing into this that, I mean, obviously there's other things playing in that I, I wasn't expecting, but what do you make of the human experience bumping into an expectation that is contrary to the experience? That's kind of a lot of, of what has, I don't know, um, a lot of stuff that I've been processing lately. And I've, I, I typically try not to share things publicly that are live current stories. So if it's something our church is going through, I'm not going to be blogging and writing about that. Um, probably let it be in the rearview mirror a little bit. Now, there have been times where I was diving into a subject or an issue, not realizing that just around the corner, our church was going to face it directly, um, or myself even. Usually I don't dive into the, the questions, the things I'm wrestling through currently. Um, I, I try to process that in a, in a more private setting. And then, um, and then w when I feel like I've, I've worked through it to a degree with, with different friends and mentors and you know, just people in my life and, and scripture, then I get the courage or I get the, uh, I, I feel a little like it's a healthier place to, to start talking about it publicly to a certain degree. Um, however, having said that, like there are things that I would like to kind of jump into in the next few weeks that just straight up I feel like we are in the middle of all kinds of stuff and I've struggled I've, I've like got all kinds of posts podcast ideas even people I'd love to inter interview around certain topics and I'm like where do I start because if I start at a certain place it's going to communicate a certain message to somebody and they're going to and and I just I don't know exactly where the starting point should be I've even wrestled with is it is it even proper like should I just not talk about any of this stuff until until later and um and I I feel like I I can't really put it down and then um god saw fit to to have me join through through the voice of the church have Teresa and i join the leadership team of our local church here in canyon city and being thrust into a leadership role in that way like become privy to to certain challenges that the church, at least our local church, is facing, and and there's this mixture of things that I've been processing outside that I'm now realizing. Whoa, this is this is also something necessary and needed in the church, and so I'm not I'm not trying. This podcast is in not in any way an attempt to to be a place for. Uh, preaching for our local church it's a 
what I'm attempting to do is there are some things I'm seeing in our current cultural moment that I think we need to have conversations about. And I, I would just like, if we can create an environment of, of some healthy thought process in back and forth, that's what I would love to dive into. One of the, one of the things that God has burdened me with in the last, I would say, what are we at? 2023, I would say the last seven years, maybe, maybe it goes more eight to seven years is just a, just a desire for, well, I, I, yeah, let me back up something I have a deep passion for is the health of the church, the health of the bride of Christ. That we reflect Jesus, that we reflect the biblical vision for God's people. I've had that my dad was a pastor growing up, and so I don't know if it was something about growing up in a pastor's home that kind of curated that burden and passion or I, I'm not at all going to try to claim like I have such a close relationship with God that I just feel super in tune because honestly, I don't all the time. Like sometimes, sometimes I am so discouraged by the church that I struggle to even open the word of God because it's like, well, I don't, I'm not, what I see in scripture, I'm not seeing lived out anywhere. And so that just creates this sense of disillusionment and so forth. And but but I can't let it go. I can't just drop something like that. It's like this the story of scripture is so beautiful. It's the story of Jesus and what he is doing, what God is doing in humanity, in all of creation through the church is amazing, is beautiful. It's worth fighting for. And so when, when I experience things firsthand or I have people approach me, write me, whatever, where I realize the church is failing people, where there's pain, where there's abuse, where prejudice reigns, um, it, it aches deep in my soul and not... Like, I'm not just saying that for dramatic effect. I I can, there's been many nights where I lie awake, not able to shut my mind off of because of a situation that is just rolling around in my head and not being able to, you know, how, how what's the way forward? How do we resolve this? How do, you know, how, how can there be reconciliation in this moment um, and not seeing it, you know, praying about that and then my mind's still running after even one particular night I remember spending a couple hours in prayer and still just not finding mental peace at least to kind of resolve it and I just to kind of trace the the timeline a bit like this was developing I would say in 2015 2016 2017 and it's a part of, you know, what led me to write to begin with. Um, although I, I certainly did not have all the language around some of the issues and so forth that I, that I do now. And I'm 
I'm fully aware that there are things that I'm seeing and sensing that I'm probably not even quite got my finger on the right language and so forth that a few years down the road, I will be like, oh yeah, that, that describes what I'm sensing and dealing with. But, but it, you know, it led to me publishing Live Free in 2018, just the, the desire for men to walk in freedom and not just behavioral modification where we try to stuff our feelings and control ourselves a little bit more, but like to actually live free where we have nothing to hide and we can go out and be fully who God has intended us to be in full transparency and full um, honor and integrity. And then a bunch of things kind of came to a head in 2020 when, I, I mean, even before 2020, there was beginning to be a shift in bringing to the surface areas of abuse areas of and I don't I'm not using abuse flippantly like misuse I'm I mean actual abuse like sexual abuse or domestic abuse taking place and I can remember getting emails from from people even some women in in 2018 2017 perhaps and and not knowing what to do with it because this was this was kind of out of my realm of expertise my realm of experience even and then even in the process of discovering 2019, 2020 and coming to discover that I've actually, I've gone through some experiences here that are abuse, are abusive. And I didn't realize it or I didn't have language for it. And, and, um, and, and then having other friends and, and watching it, being in settings, watching, particularly I'm thinking of um spiritual abuse kind of conflict that can happen between spiritual authorities and and those under spiritual authority like watching it take place and not not knowing what to do or or even i mean even when you know what to do just knowing that it like it's not going to be received well there's not going to be reconciliation here and not knowing how to navigate that and in the middle of all this, we have COVID hitting, right? And the church is being fragmented all over the place and how you respond to some of the social events. And, and very much I see closely tethered some of the, the matters of abuse with matters of prejudice that show up in culture, in close communities. And, and um, a lot of this kind of stirring up, I, I would say if you know how like in cartoons or gifs or gifs however you pronounce it like sometimes if somebody's got like questions about things you see these floating question marks rise up maybe maybe that's kind of what was going on like a in my soul like a a popping up of these question marks and continuing to puff out my my soul as it were in 2021 i was reading listening to Lecrae's I Am Restored, his autobiography, and talking about his kind of journey into depression and anxiety attacks and, and finding free or healing, restoration from that. And realizing as he's describing these panic attacks, I'm not Lecrae, I'm not a celebrity like him. I don't go and work 
do my craft in front of thousands, millions of people a year. But what he was describing as a panic attack, I had been experiencing multiple times a week for close to six months up until that point. Yeah, I had no, I had no clue. I, I thought a panic attack was like somebody totally loses it. They no longer can do their work. They no longer can present. But like the, the, the thing of driving down a road and all of a sudden just a huge overwhelming sea of emotion and, and you start weeping and there's no like explanation for why you're weeping and feels like you're going to suffocate. You have to pull off and kind of just get through the moment and it fades. It's entirely irrational, stuff like that. Like, yeah, I was, I was dealing with that. And um, that was kind of the moment when I started becoming aware of my own mental health and my own mental state and it led me to begin reflecting on and that's I think I've mentioned before that I'm working on a book called Unfolding Faith um, that's that was kind of the wake-up moment I start, I typed out the the intro the uh, preface kind of outlined the book there June of 2021 and I've been it usually goes like, so I did some writing there in June of 2021. I think it was October till I did some more writing on it. And then maybe January of 2022, I do some more writing on it. And it goes through, it's usually like four months where I, I don't do a lot of writing. And then, and then a few weeks where I'm kind of diving back into it. And, and um, a lot of it is just kind of the, the journey post or I would say it's reflections post coming to the awareness of the fact that I've been dealing with some depression and I've been under a certain level of stress and have experienced, my wife and I have experienced things emotionally, spiritually, to a certain extent, physically maybe, but mostly emotionally and spiritually um, that, that aren't necessarily normal, that you don't just somehow get used to, but it's okay to actually hit pause and make huge life changes in a pursuit of health. And so I'm, I'm sharing this, it's like post 2021, we're in November of 2023, it's two and a half years later, I have not had a panic attack for a year and a half. Um, they, were, they were pretty strong for a six to seven month period, we went on a trip in the summer of 2021, it was kind of, it was not really exploratory. It was just happenstance that it turned out to be eight weeks long, but we did want to be intentional with meeting with some, some key people, mentors of ours, people we respected and talking through some things. And we did that. And, and it was tremendous, tremendous experience. Uh, we, I went, I went like nine months, I think, without having a panic attack. And then the spring of 2022, I, I started having some more panic attacks and and there were, there were circumstances around those that triggered them that I'm, I, I don't feel it's necessarily appropriate to, to go into those details right now, at least in this way. But, but all that to say, it led to us making some fairly significant changes. And for a year and a half, I have not had a panic attack. And there's, there's a number of things that have been involved in the 
the post awakening, I guess you could say, awakening to my need for for my own personal emotional mental health. But and there's some things, so there's there's been moments, seasons of of counseling and therapy, and then seasons of of not and and like honestly some of the some of the major shift in how i was doing mentally and emotionally my wife and i often talk about is like we don't even really know what we did (laughs) it's not like we had a certain set of questions that we were journaling through it's it's yeah to a certain degree it was like finding people to talk about talk through some of these things with but there's still a lot that we would like to pursue in terms of further therapy and further just kind of help processing some of the past and so forth. And, and so it's not 100% that it's like we did something specific, but um, one of the major things as I look back on the last year and a half is that I've come to this realization that the church is not as bad as we think it is. Now, you might wonder, how in the world do I come to this realization? Like, Asher, what in the world are you saying? And, and sometimes we're in the middle of the mess so much, and all we can know and see is dysfunction and unhealth. And then, and then we every now and then we peek our heads out and we go visit a certain place or maybe we even move and relocate to different places. We, we have these seasons outside of the mess, but then something is said or something happens that is so similar to the triggering event of the past. Um, we, we sense that fight or flight mode and, and either we dig in our heels and we fight or we flee even when, and here, here's the key thing that, that I've been discovering pieces to when, okay, so maybe, maybe there are some similarities, but in situation B, there's actually a, a different way of resolving the issue. There's a different way of navigating through that. And I'm, I, I want to say up front 100% first that this is not a story of like, going through a mess and then finding perfection. And now we know how it's done. And now we're going to write a book on how to do it. Absolutely not. Like this is in, in full transparency. And I don't, I don't think anybody at our church would, would deny this, but our local church here in Canyon city is not a perfect church. The community, the people, I'm not a perfect person. I'm not, I've not found perfection. Um, so, so it's not at all about like, finding perfection, but rather discovering that there are better ways to work through issues that are healthier and discovering that there are communities out there of people who want to grow in health. Sometimes sometimes we're at a different place than some other people are. Sometimes we want to move at a different pace than other people do. But the church is not as bad as we might think it is now. So it's kind of funny because like we felt God leading us here to Canyon City. And it's kind of through, is yeah, it's, it was honestly through a house. 
I can remember distinctly as an 18, 17, 19 year old at Bible school and with, you know, we're just passionate about missions and everything and like life, I was never going to move for the sake of a house or the sake of, you know, particularly enjoying a certain place more than another place. And maybe I'll talk more about my views of home and placement and our role in the in creation maybe later but but um it, it was undeniable that God was leading both Teresa and I in our prayers personally prayers together like he was directing and kind of opening up the way to to relocate for the house that we have and that was something for us to process through a lot um and what all that means and what all God wants to do, we, we still don't even really know, fully understand, but are very, like it's, yeah, it's just, it's, there's a lot more peace being in a place when you know that God has led you someplace and you're following in that, even though it doesn't fully make sense right now, we can't fully explain it, or you, you see it kind of unfold, um, yeah, there's a lot of peace around that as opposed to doing things because you're hoping to create something as you do it. Um, but yeah, it's just hands down. I'm going to follow where God is leading us, even though it may not always make logical sense. And that's what we sensed. But there was a, a bit of a hesitation in me because... I knew enough about the community to know that like, we just have totally different worldviews. We have totally different experiences. We're coming from uh, mo our whole married life spent either in a city or overseas. Like our take on social issues, on political issues is totally different than a lot of people, at least that we were assuming. And it's interesting, like talking to people, getting to know people more. Like, I think there was some of that apprehension of us moving into the community and be like, wow, these, you know, who, who, who are these Whitmers from California? What are, what are they going to do or think? Hey, friends, I'd like to tell you about a really cool app my wife and I discovered earlier this year. It's called Upside. Whenever we go to buy gas for our vehicles, we open the Upside app and we look at which gas station in our town provides the greatest amount of cash back. Usually it's somewhere in the 11 cent to 17 cent per gallon range. And so then we just select the gas station that has the highest cash back rate for that day. And we go fill up at that gas station. The price is usually a competitive price. It's not like it sends us to the most expensive gas station in town. But we fill up, we pay what we normally would, and then we get two, sometimes two and a half dollars cash back. This is a way for us that we've been building somewhat of a slush fund for extra activities, travel, stuff like that. If you would like to take advantage of this, click the link below, sign up. It does give us a bonus when you sign up. 
but then you can share it with your friends and family and you retain a bonus for that as well. But just so we're super clear, it costs nothing to sign up. You don't spend more than you normally would on gas. It's just you're able to look and see which opportunity provides the most cash back for that day and you can get cash back on your gas. We've enjoyed slowly collecting. I think in about three months, we've made $36, $40 cash back. So it's, it comes pretty consistently to about $12 to $15 cash back. Obviously, it depends how much we drive around in the month, how much gas we use. Click the link below, sign up, start saving for those fun family activities. In full transparency, yes, we are different. We, we have different perspectives, different experiences, different worldviews. But what we've discovered is that the church is not as bad as we might think it is. That there are people who are actually open to learning a different perspective. That it can actually be healthy for us to learn a different perspective, right? Like, I, I would have never denied that, but I was definitely scared of it. I was definitely scared of, of being willing to have a conversation. And, and to be fully transparent, I'm still scared of certain conversations with certain people because I just know... There's probably going to be some sort of accusation underlying about it. Uh, experienced something, uh, not locally, but online, something similar to that recently where, yeah, we seemed like we were having a decent conversation. I was kind of opening up, feeling, you know, like taking a risk, and but also not entirely sure where the guy was coming from. And, and at the end of the conversation, I was like, yeah, I think, I think my hunch from the beginning was correct. It was more about maybe disagreeing with you know me for whatever reason um and not not like he was genuinely wanting to learn and understand more and so it's scary moving into those conversations because you don't know how they're going to go you don't know if somebody's going to write you off as some liberal from you know a liberal state or if somebody's going to write you off as some pro mega trump or some like pro abuse you know whatever because that's actually the time that we live in. We live in a moment when I hear so many people wanting to be understood. We actually have a really hard time doing the work to understand others. We're very quick to put people in boxes. We don't want to be in a box. But we're very quick to put other people in a box. And we're not actually all as bad and malicious and as whatever as sometimes the narrative can be curated around and i'm not i'm not at all trying to excuse prejudice i'm not at all trying to excuse sin abuse i'm not at all trying to excuse whatever i'm just saying like the church isn't as bad as we might think it is. And this is this is someone who's given to a, a more progressive in, in terms of like conservative Anabaptist culture. I'm more on the many would say the liberal side. I personally don't like those things because I'm like, hey, I'm actually a little more historically Anabaptist than some of you who claim that I'm liberal or whatever. Um but like yeah I've I've just in full transparency, why I say that is because I've had that thrown in my face. 
you're a liberal, you think this way because you're from California and you listen to all these news, blah, 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 blah. And no matter how much I say, hey, hey, first of all, listen, where are you from? You're from Indiana, Iowa. Like there's more Republicans, there's more conservatives in the state of California than there is in those states. California has just way more people, right? So there's, but secondly, I don't listen to all that stuff. I don't, that's not why I'm, sharing the perspective and the point of view that I do. And so I get a little gunshot. I'm like, I'm afraid of opening up, of, of sharing that because I want us to be rigorous about dealing with the baggage in our own selves, right? But I've discovered that there are people who I would have put in the box of this maybe maybe pro-Trump area or maybe like pro actually it's probably better to say like pro-Republican or something um, that I mean, we just I, we just recently had a conversation I don't think this is uh, confidential like as a leadership team on the church we had a conversation about capitalism <laughs> it was totally off topic just like I don't even remember what triggered it and there's five of us on the leadership team. There, there were only four at the meeting. And um, and just realize, like, we've got different perspectives about this. And, and we talk back and forth. And there's pushback. And, and it's just like, yeah, totally. Like, what I have seen and experienced in the city, totally different than what some have experienced here in rural. I, I consider this rural America. <laughs> It's called Canyon City. A lot of people think it is a city. It's quite small. I think it's, I don't know, somewhere between sixteen and 18,000 people. So you can drive through it in five minutes. You spend most of your time sitting at stoplights. Like, that's a small town, in my opinion. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's just been interesting to discover because I've had similar conversations where I would have been thrown off as a Marxist or like pro-socialism. And so I'm a little apprehensive to like actually share what I think. And I, I made some comment. I don't even remember what it was that kind of initiated the conversation. He was like, well, I'm not one of the, one of the brothers was, I'm not sure I'm going to push back on that or whatever. And so then I'm like, Oh dear, where's this going to go? But it was, it was a good, a good conversation. I learned, I learned things. I, I think, I mean, we all express like appreciation for each other in it and learning. And it's my, my whole point is it's possible. Like there are actually a lot of people in the world who want to learn, who want to have conversations around these big things, even when they may still come out relatively with the perspective that they had going into the conversation, but who are actually willing to, uphold the dignity of others in the middle of it, who are actually willing to let part of somebody else's experience and journey kind of shed off on their own. And, and now they, at the very least, might talk about things with a new awareness of other types of experiences and so forth. And the, the church is not as bad as we might think it is. There are a tremendous amount of pastors and church leaders who are broken 
over abusive situations that happen who want to learn who are also scared because when presented with an abusive situation you have one swing and you have to hit it perfectly or else you will be And, and I, w I was about to say something that I've been taken to task for. And so I hesitate to say it because I don't want to, I don't want to miscommunicate. I, I know what it's like when, when you are, have a situation before you and somehow you have to handle it just right. If you don't handle it just right, there are going to be people who, who want to write you off, who are going to say things about you, just, just like the mega camp wants to discredit Asher Whitmer as a liberal from California. I'm just, I'm just placing myself in as an example, but um, there are also other people on other sides of things who want to you know, put you, because you, because you, uh, said the way we're responding to a, a situation is out of hand, and that's one and the same as supporting an abusive culture. That's, that's difficult to navigate through from a church leadership perspective. There's all kinds of misunderstandings that happen. There's all kinds of People aren't as malicious as what can sometimes be communicated. All the way around. Whether, like, I, I have sat in meetings and I'm... I'm I was going to say something and, and then I realized, like, that it paints me as though, like, I'm this perfect in-the-middle person. And that's not at all what I'm trying to do. Um... I'm just saying there have been situations, meetings, where certain individuals I would be concerned about, right? Like, hey, you know, why, why are you, like, we should be em empathizing and caring for this particular individual, not judging them or whatever. And so my, my, um, the, the part of me from the, everything building up that I've shared you know, 30 minutes ago about leading into the panic attacks and the struggle and all of this, like that part of me is red flags going out the galore. And then also realizing that like that same individual having in this, maybe sometimes the same meeting, maybe other meetings as we continue to work through things like, well, they're, they're actually not, they weren't saying what they were saying or reacting what they were doing because of all the things that I assumed based off of past experiences, um, they do want to care properly, but, but there's this other dynamic that is also a very real reality. And 
I don't know. I don't know how to bring these two together. Like I, what I was going to say is I've sat in those meetings, like empathizing and burdened for both. Like we, you know, let's care for, let's, let's not just assume the person under us in terms of under our influence and guide, like we are responsible for guiding them through and so forth. Like, let's not just assume that they're being rebellious because they have this certain attitude or are asking these certain questions or whatever. So I want us to understand, but then also from the other perspective of like, those of us who, who have people given in authority, people to guide and responsible for leading us, like let's, let's not assume that they just have malicious intent. And our cultural moment in America wants to erode trust between people, period. Between people. I think we've heard the narrative that like anti-authority, I think we've heard the narrative, you know, from, from the other perspective that like, so there's, there's one that's like, creates a negative view of lay people, you might say, right? Like they're anti-authority. Well, there's another that creates a negative view of people who are in authority. They're just abusive and malicious, power hungry. It's like, that, that is what, that is what cultural is conditioning us for, that type of suspicion for each other. And even more, I, I really believe the devil wants to tear the church apart through that sort of suspicion of each other. And it's all coalesced, right, in the middle of the rise of awareness of abuse and just a natural suspicion that comes when all of a sudden you thought this was a good place, a good community, and then you're discovering there's, there's a lot of ugliness here that you never knew about. Like that's going to create natural suspicion. That kind of floats to the surface for a lot of Christian communities around the same time COVID hits. And we've got people who are saying, like, if you take the COVID vaccine, that somehow you're opening a demonic door to the devil. Like that, like, it's just compounds. If you use the hashtag Black Lives Matter, you are participating in works of darkness or whatever. Like, it's just all this stuff that creates suspicion or the vice versa, right? If you're, if you're concerned about using the hashtag Black Lives Matter, then you're just a white supremacist who doesn't care about anything. Like it, um, we have been conditioned and we've stumbled into this marsh, you might say, of chaos and distrust. And what I've discovered is that the church is not as bad as I first thought it was. Now, I'm going to go into more things in later episodes that, that will cause us to be like, whoa, like the church is really bad. But I chose to start here because I know a lot of people who are dealing with depression right now. Or, or even if it's not depression, like kind of negative uh, not negative, um, anxious thoughts about our current time and about any sense of hope. And I think it's important that we have this base. I'm going to 
in, in some future episodes and so forth, I'm going to talk about my concern about the culture of suspicion that we live in, where the automatic posture is that of suspicion. That is that plays a part in eroding this trust where you can't even have conversations with each other. If you say a wrong sentence on either side, like you're automatically put in a box and you can't even, we're not doing the work of trying to understand one another. And I'm, I am not, I am not talking about making excuses. It's just like, oh, if you point out an area of disagreement that's like, oh, well, you just didn't quite understand. Here, I need to talk a little bit more. No. No, no, no. That's not that's not at all what I'm talking about. Like, yes, there are there are points of disagreement for one thing, and then there are also ideas, theology, you know, practices that are just flat out wrong. They're not right, and and we're gonna dive into those things and and work through those things. That's that's what I want to talk about and address. But this notion of just kind of automatic assumptions, automatic suspicion, not willing to take a person in context, that's eroding trust. It's destroying hope. It's destroying confidence. Not in the church. That's not what I'm concerned about, right? Like the church, okay, if the church isn't trustworthy, then don't put your confidence in the church. It's destroying confidence in Jesus. It's destroying confidence in God. We have people, I believe deconstruction is an important work to kind of process through, wait, where is human experience colliding with our expectations or with biblical expectations? And why is that not jiving quite like we thought it was or whatever? Like to kind of pull back the curtain and see what's actually going on and maybe realign some things that... Are going on like that's an important work but we've we've got people going beyond that to deconverting i'm gonna i'm gonna have an episode where i interact with with people like Alyssa, Alyssa childers and and some tremendous concern that i have rosaria butterfield and how she's kind of going down a similar line of just slandering other believers and not fairly representing what they're they're talking about but i also think there's and I lead with that because what I'm going to say next, some people are going to be like, you sound like Alyssa Childers. <laughs> there is an epidemic happening where people are deconverting. They're, they're walking away from God. And part of that is because of the way the church and the people of God have failed that person. But one of the ways, one of the ways, it's not the only way. It's, it's maybe not the biggest way in their life but it's a pretty it's an increasingly more magnificent way as life continues to go on one of the ways the people of god fail such individuals is by creating and perpetuating narratives that erode trust when we can't trust each other we struggle to trust god when we when we don't engage with each other and discover the fruit of the spirit through each other we don't have any tangible way of experiencing God. And so all of a sudden, God does become distant. I'm taking a class. I'm going to wrap this up. My whole point of this episode was the church is not as bad as we think it is. And the purpose is that I want, I want this to be a catalyst for harmony instead of polarization. 
I want us to be willing to, to take the risk of engaging people. And it's okay to be careful in that process and to test people and you realize when they, when they prove themselves not trustworthy, it's okay to acknowledge that, to draw boundaries. That's the point. That's why I'm starting here. Yes. Okay, I'll be up. I'm going to wrap something up. But I, I, I will just say, I'm, one of my classes this semester in Bible college is a class called Discipleship and Counseling. And it's taking the approach of biblical counseling. I don't know if, how familiar you are with that. Just for clarity's sake, biblical counseling in this sense is, is a type or a theory of counseling. It's not, it's not like, oh, there's some counseling where they seek to use scripture and then other counseling where they don't seek to use scripture. Um, I know Christian counselors who use different approaches than quote-unquote biblical counseling who are very much biblical counselors. Biblical counseling is more this notion of we have everything in scripture itself to, to help us work through our issues. And essentially it's this posture of it's, it's the, the gist of it or the framework is that all of our negative emotions and negative experiences in life happen because of sin, because of sin in our life. And then the, the goal is conformity to the image of Jesus, which I completely agree with. That is the goal. Excuse my children who are starting to make some noise. Um, the goal is conforming to Jesus as opposed to our sinfulness and scripture and truth and kind of just re bringing that in reminder to our heads and, and more and more like that. That is what helps us conform to the image of Jesus. I've really struggled. I, I love my Bible college experience, but I have really struggled with this class. Because I keep reading things, I'm like, and I think I've shared uh, little snippets of it. There's, there's literally almost every page something similar where I could be highlighting, saying that, that is false. That is not true. That is not a liar. Or I mean, that is a liar. Whatever. That, like, or just, just like, man, that is, that is, that curates spiritual abuse, or that, like, just all kinds of things, just left and right. I'm just really struggling to go through this class and be like, man, I have to somehow, like I have to write papers, kind of applying what I'm learning. And it's like, I'm actually arguing with what I'm learning. I'm not, I'm praying through this. God, like help me if there is something for me to learn through this and not just be fighting against it. Open my eyes, help me understand. Um, all that to say that there are a lot of issues to deal with. 100%. We are humans in the church, and humans are broken. And the church is in creation. And this creation, as it currently exists, is in bondage to corruption. We feel the groans, as Paul says, just like a, 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 a mother in labor. But the church is not as bad. People are not, do not have as inherently malicious intentions as we might first expect. And it's worth fighting for it. it's worth exploring it's worth pursuing understanding the work of seeking to understand each other better and the work of living together when we have different views 
and the way we sharpen each other and not just isolating into our silos. That's all I have for now. I'd love to hear what's percolating in your heart and mind as you think about this. What, what pushbacks do you have? What, um, what thoughts do you have? What books have you been reading that have helped you kind of navigate some of these experiences yourself? How have you experienced God? I didn't get into this for the sake of time, but my wife and I have experienced God and the goodness of God through people in ways that, quite frankly, have shocked us. It's not, and it's not, it's not because of any particular person's amount of perfection. Like we are all people who have definitely caused enough pain and traumatic experiences around ourselves. But to me, it's just a testament of how God uses imperfect people to, to meet each other in our moments of need to bring a soothing or a healing through the community of his people. How have you experienced that? Have you experienced that? Have you not experienced that? I, I know that a lot of my listeners and readers are people who have experienced hurt from the church. And so I, I'm, I'm not taking that lightly. I don't. I don't. Uh, I'm not at all trying to communicate that you should not feel negative about the church. Rather, I'm trying to communicate hope in the reality that it's not, even though we go through these seasons where all we can see is the darkness and the chaos, that's not the final message of the, the whole picture. Until next time, grace and peace. Thank you.